hey, hey, it is Friday, April 8th, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on the West Coast. I am Brandon Beliso, and this is Success Never Sleeps, where we as a collective, a collective of small business owners, martial arts school owners, of critical thinkers, of people that want to cultivate a new way, disruption, as one would say in many industries. It's very popular in the tech industry because things are always changing and evolving in tech. Not heard so much in the martial arts industry because... We have a certain way of doing things and we follow tradition for many people, which is okay. But the movement that I cultivate, the movement that I lead is truly about creating something new, something new. And that's exciting, but it is unknown and it does challenge people in a lot of ways and it's unsettling. But nonetheless, we are committed to it and that's why we are. Success never sleeps. Cool? So I want to begin by thanking my sponsors. I love my sponsors. They're good, good people and I'm grateful to have them supporting me in, in this show, Success Never Sleeps, and everything that I do. First of all is my studio, my studio, Tulay and the Gang. They've had more updates recently. If you get a chance, really go through them. There's a lot of amazing stuff there in my studio, and to me, that's always an earmark of any kind of great technology. There should always be updates and upgrades constantly, constantly, constantly. Is it a little inconvenient at times? Absolutely. But just think, something as simple as your iPhone. How, much, how many times do you have updates? Every week? Every week there's an update. So that is an earmark of, of a successful tech company. And again, my studio is a tech company. It's a CRM system. So if you're witnessing updates all the time, be grateful for that. Kids Love Life Skills. It is a subscription-based life skills kid character development system used in well over 400 schools worldwide. And we're evolving it. We're rewriting things. We have a new artist we're working with. We have coloring sheets. We have student parent discovery sheets, facilitator handouts, life talks, badges, belt stripes, so many different elements that you could utilize to help do what? Position your school as the go-to leader in your community as the life skills education leader. Because I wish, I wish somebody came and said, hey, you're a third generation martial arts school owner. You were a state champion, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody cares. What they do care about is will I teach their child to pay attention? Will I teach them the confidence they need to stand up to bullying and be a goal-oriented person on and on? So you need a character life skills system such as Kids Love Life Skills. And don't think because you are a black belt, you're qualified to teach life skills. You're not. I put tens of thousands of hours into this so far, and we continue to cultivate data. That's where content comes from. Research, development, testing. And real time, we work this stuff every day in our schools, which are currently at 940 students between two locations. We just came off our biggest quarter ever. We're on a path to do $2.1 million this year just in the two martial arts schools. So we're very blessed for that. And we know Kids Love Life Skills is a big part of that. You interested in that? DM Marco. Marco will put the link in there for you. LC Accounting, I love my sister. You know, she's been one of my angels through everything, just in life, as my sister and otherwise. But she's a wonderful bookkeeper, BJJ Kenpo practitioner, and she gets us. And last but not least, Market Muscles, Stephen Reinstein. I love you, sir. Um... Most of us just got version three and version three is powerful. And when Steven Reinstein went about creating version three and had to go through every website and get version three up, it was such a tedious process. But his commitment, the vision to producing the best websites possible, the best websites possible to serve our industry and the fitness industry, that is his commitment. And when you are committed to a purpose, there is no amount of work that you're not willing to do. And that's what I love about purpose. And for me, purpose is real, real powerful. So who's here? Who's here, Marco? Let, let, let me say hello to a couple of people. Anybody else in here? 
Hey, James, what's happening from the Mile High City? Rebecca, what's happening, Rebecca? Lots of people sitting up there. Please say hi. Let, let me give you a shout out. I love it. I just, I, I love people hanging out with us, you know, and, and it's such a good day. So if you're here, do say hello. Put it in the comments. If I'm missing saying hello to somebody, Marco, can you remind me, please? Yeah, because I don't want to miss anybody today. All right, what else is coming up? It's time live believe, right? That's that's my offering to the industry that I do once or twice a year. We've done it for the past six, seven years. And it's time live believe is a four-day experience. We do cover writing systems. We cover staff development, curriculum design, branding, cultivating that Disney experience, setting up your business financially for long-term success. All those different elements, but more so in those four days is the personal development element. I find I work with school owners all over the world, I have for close to a decade now, that the biggest challenge is the school owner and their mindset. That's, that's it. It really is. The school owner and their mindset. And if we can really help shift your mindset, right, shift that mindset from a impoverished mindset to a growth mindset, from a fixed mindset to a learning mindset, the potential is unlimited on what you can cultivate in your life. So please, there's only 11 spots left. Marco will put the link in the uh, comments. It is simply the best investment you can make for yourself. Four days with me. We eat good. We're outdoors a lot. We do a lot of work. It's very intensive for four days, but I believe it will change your life. And that's why it's a timeline belief. Cool? So we got that coming up. If you're interested, just scan this QR code right there, right there, right there, right there. Boom. And there you go. You got it? Excellent. And then, of course, our Facebook group, The Disruptors. It is a unique group of critical thinkers, of people that simply don't want to do it the way it's always been done. It's people who want to do something new. And much like wealth in the world, I read the other day, and it's, I think it's pretty accurate, that 90% of the wealth is controlled by about 10% of our industry. And, and that's pretty consistent with the world's design. My challenge with that, the 90% who love martial arts, who want to make martial arts their business and their life, lack a skill set. They lack a fundamental skill set. And I believe across the board for me, it's because the way we've done business since the 1980s hasn't really changed. Upgrades, bell testing fees, phone scripts, enrollment, you know, just it's on and on. And I believe there is a new way. Not saying that way does not work, but obviously it doesn't work for the 90% of the industry who's not in that 10% of the wealth. I gratefully get to sit in the 10% that make 90% of the wealth. But that gives me a different perspective to really want to say, hey, I want to bring you guys along too. Share that group, the disruptors, with lots of people. Look in the files. There's got to be hundreds of thousands of dollars of documents there that you can use for a birthday party, a summer camp, staff training. I put all of that there as a gift because my purpose and passion is to help our industry. Make no mistake. Cool? All right. So what is today all about? What is today all about there it is it is all about the anatomy of a technique right so what goes into teaching a great technique i'm not talking about a full-blown rotating curriculum white to black belt we're talking about in the most simplest forms a technique what goes into that well it made me dig a little deep and i had posted something and i tried to take it down so hopefully it, it came down but i asked the question what technique is challenging to teach right Simple question, what technique is challenging to teach? That's simple. And I got such a myriad of 
comments from, we don't teach techniques, we teach people. I got, well, today's young people aren't as strong as they used to be. I got all these different answers, and it really got me thinking. I asked a simple question, what technique is challenging to teach? So after all that, sitting with that for a minute, I came down to um, the biggest challenge in teaching a technique, we are the biggest challenge to teaching a technique. Oh, going out of focus. Let me get that. There we go. Oh, come on. Find me. There I am. We are the biggest challenge to teaching a technique. Our narrow-mindedness, our fixed mindset, our holier-than-thou, I'm the master, I know better than anybody, and it's my job and purpose, and I just, I can't believe it. It's still the same thing that I suffered from in the 1960s as a child, into the 70s and the martial arts, into the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. It still exists today. By those responses, I was going, all I asked is, you know, what is the biggest challenge to teaching a technique? That's, that's all I said. And I got this myriad. We don't teach techniques. We teach people. Okay. Okay. But really think about that, folks. I just asked a simple question. So that made me scratch my head and go, wow. Yeah, the biggest challenge to teaching a technique is us. We are the biggest challenge to teaching a technique. And once we can empty our cup and open our minds and take off the black belt and put away the titles, really then can we serve that purpose. And ours is to help people live their best life. And I don't know anything more than anybody else, even though I've done martial arts for 55 years. I don't know any more than you do, but I do know I'm committed to helping people learn the martial arts. And in particularly, I don't want to see our system of Kenpo die. So that means it's not what we teach, it's why we teach it. And I teach to serve people and help them live their best life. So with that said, I don't mind taking a kata, like we had a kata in white belt called Iron Fan. That was really complex. I moved it up into year four. I'm, I'm okay with all of that. If I can preserve the integrity of Kenpo and the legacy and make sure it exists 30, 40 years from now when I'm dead and gone. Cool? So take a humble stock of that for a moment. And if you want to say, well, it's because kids are soft today. It's social media. Um, you know, we don't teach techniques. We teach people. You can say all of that. But really... With all humility, can you take ownership of that? See, I'm not concerned about being right. I want to get it right. And get it right is when I see a child get that technique and they learn confidence and all those things. And I'm willing to grab a pad, add a step, put in a song, whatever it takes to teach them to throw that technique efficiently and effectively. So put in the comments. Do you believe that sometimes you can be the biggest challenge? Think about that. And let me say hello to a few more people. Hey, Steph. What's up, Steph? Who else is here? I love saying hi to all the great people hanging out. Thank you so much for being here. And that's it. You, you know, because I do that every day. I mean, I'm back to teaching again a lot. And, and, and with that said, I've got to be humble enough to ask myself that question, right? Ask myself that question, am I teaching at the highest level? It's so easy for me to get caught up in, let me try to cue this up so I can see people's um, comments. It's so easy for me to cut caught up in, I'm holier than thou, and I know more. And, and I don't. 
I don't. And I want to be extremely mindful of that, that I don't. And as long as I live from that mindset, um, then I believe I have the potential of changing and impacting more lives. But as long as I live and die by I know best and I know this and I know that, I'm going to narrow my mind, right? Good. I see Steph. Hey, Farsad, sir. Ricardo, Greg, Kabir, sir. What's happening? Okay. So I got to say hi to everybody. So with that said, can you own that? Who can put it in the comment and honestly believe that? I love that, Steph, Purpose Martial Arts. Who can put that in the comment that we are the biggest challenge to teaching a technique because of our fixed mindset, because of our narrow-mindedness, because of us clinging to teaching the way our teacher taught us and their teacher taught them and their teacher taught them. Is anybody willing to take ownership of that other than me? Who's willing to step up and take ownership of that? Anybody? All right. Put it in there because I want to know that. So with that said, I want to go deep. So what makes up a great technique, right? If I look at the anatomy of a technique, what makes up a great technique? And I want to challenge you. If you got a technique that you want me to break down for you right now that's hard for somebody to teach, go on in there. Hey, Marco, and, and if you can throw them a link, I'll bring them into the show. But you got to just show me your, your technique. I don't want a big soliloquy. I want you to show me the technique, right? And that's it. And Marco, in uh, Zoom, it's the Brannon, the Brannon link, right? The Brannon link. So if you can find that, do that. Okay. So number one for me, what wakes up a great martial arts technique is knowledge, right? I want my students to know, and better than know the technique, is I want them to comprehend, right? So when we speak about knowledge, I say learning and comprehension, I believe much of the martial arts is centered around memorization. So there's 50,000 forms, 50 million moves. But I've said this openly to when I fought, and I fought for 20 years of my life in competition. When I was in the ring, I used maybe four moves, right? Growing up in the rough and tumble neighborhoods I did, which was very poor. I ran in a gang at 12. We fought pretty much all the time. In a street fight, maybe three techniques. So it's not about how many techniques I know, how many katas I know. It's really how well I do those moves. So when we talk about learning and comprehension, ask yourself, is my curriculum focused on a lot of memorization because there's so much curriculum, or is it truly focused on learning and comprehension? So break that down. If I talk about learning and I'm working with an age group of, let's say, 7 to 11, then I want to design curriculum and methods and drills that are age level and skill level specific. I grew up training six days a week, four hours a day tournaments every other weekend. The average person doesn't do that. So nor should we create a curriculum that's designed that way. So the first part is learning. Is my curriculum age specific and my drills and skills? And then if you, you know it, because the result is they comprehend what you're teaching. They will comprehend what you're teaching. One of the big things I read was kids don't get their left from the right. Kids don't get their left from the right. Kids don't get their left from the right. I know that. It's, it's, it's a phenomenon we've witnessed too over the past three, three to five years, more so than ever. So it doesn't come down to, well, it's the kid's fault. They don't know their left from the right. No. How can I help them learn their left from the right and comprehend what is left and what is right? I get it. You're going to have to drive a car one day. It's a very valuable asset to know your left and your right. You do. It's very valuable. Okay? So something as simple as using Minicamp, 
right? When I raise my right hand on that camera, you're going to raise your right hand because I'm using software that allows me to, this is my right hand. And for you, it works the same way. Okay. So that's neat there already. Virtually, I can do that. So what we do with kids, because neurical stimulation, I can go left foot back and they put the right foot back, left foot back, and they put the right foot back. Okay. So what I do is I touch his leg. The other one, sir. The other one. That's it. That is your left leg. What leg is this? Left. What leg is this? So two things are going on here. The neurological stimulation. They're tapping that leg. Two, they're saying it out loud. What leg is this? Left leg, sir. So two things are helping them learn and comprehend it better versus us Everyone put your left foot back. Your left foot, sir. Your left foot, sir. That does not help. And, it, and it's not efficient in time management in a classroom environment. So we'll go, okay, touch your left leg. Touch your left leg. What leg is this? Left. What leg is Okay, put that leg back. And they all do this, and they put the right leg back. Why? Because 90% of the class is right-handed. So great. I have to put another piece in there. Another piece. What? Another piece in there. Okay? So then we say, all right, touch your left leg. Touch your left leg. It's the other one, sir. Touch the other one. Good. What leg is this? Left. Okay. Put your hand on that leg and grab onto your pant leg. Don't let go. What leg are you holding onto? Left leg. Now, put your left leg back. So that, we found, has been phenomenal in helping a kid. And if they have the wrong foot back, we don't look at the kid and say, put your left foot back. We tell the kid, okay, change your feet. That's what we tell them. We don't sit there and say, sir, your left foot. Sir, your left foot. And the kid's panicking. Oh, my God, I'm being singled out. No. We say, just switch your feet. And through that long-term commitment to those types of drills, and guess what happens over time? Organically, they will get their left from the right. I think, again, the ego of the instructor is, you need to know your left foot right now. What's wrong with you? You should know your left from your right. That's a huge challenge. So, again, what's the breakdown? One, I'm using ManyCam right now, or this one's logic capture. So then I say, okay, everybody touch this leg. Uh, the other one, sir, because you'll have a group of kids that'll still do this because they favor the right leg, they're right footed, and they're gonna go to what they know. So we say, touch the left leg, touch the left leg. What leg is this? Left. What leg is this? Left, good. Now hold on to it, grab it tight, and move it away from, in this case, the device. If it's the mirror, whatever their anchor point is. So that's a big one too. If you look at the room you work in, what is your anchor point? I can tell a kid virtually, okay, the leg you're holding on to, move away from the device with it. Otherwise, they might do this. They'll step forward with that left leg, right? Okay, I want you to move away from the device. Or in our case, move away from the mirrors or move away from the bags, or move away from me if you're in that position. So it's really about not being frustrated that kids don't understand their left from the right foot. It's really about us, us, understanding that over time it's going to take time for them to learn left from the right. Cool? Everybody good with that? Let me see if we got any questions coming in. Adam, sir, how are you, sir? Marco, thank you. Mir, welcome, Mir. Kaleem, Kaleem Khan, Steph. Yeah, so there you go. So that is, is a big frustration for us, right? And so the other one, you, you know, we found is with stances, right? We can get a kid to sit in a horse stance or front stance, but then their legs go straight right away. So it's no longer just who can bend their knees, right? Who can keep them bent the longest? Something as simple as that. 
instilling in them that it's not this. And then once you start doing the move, they forget about their lower half because we're thinking about two elements now, right? It's who can make their legs stronger like me. Wow, who could keep them bent the longest? So it now becomes a challenge versus, versus bend your knees, bend your knees, bend your knees, bend your knees, bend your knees. I'm guilty of that. Bend your knees, bend your knees, bend your knees. I am so guilty of that. But if I can share, all right, let's see who could keep them bent longer than me. Wow, whose knees are bent longer than me like this? Okay, now do the punches. Who's keeping their knees bent longer than me? And then we make a game out of it. And it becomes a different thing versus the guilt thing of bend your knees, bend your knees, bend your knees. Who's guilty of that one? I know I am. So when I talk about the knowledge, I have to say, well, they're six years old. What knowledge, what learning and comprehension can truly happen at six years old? Another thing we did big, for those of you that do katas, who, who does katas out there, put them in there, is we broke them down by numbers and names. For example, we have a white belt kata, and it looks like this. Face growing, face block, punch, block, poke, horse stance, block, double punch, front kick, chop. So what I got that from was ABCs, right? Imagine if you learned your ABCs in silence. It never happened. Right? It never happened. But by saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? So now they're learning the language. And by putting the words and numbers in place, it gives us a place to teach. So if I say something as simple as face, what stance are we in? Side horse. Awesome. What stance are we in class? Side horse. What foot did we step back with? Left foot, sir. So it gives me that cue. And then another one is growing. Okay, everybody, thumbs down, thumbs down. Who could put their thumbs down? You see that? Thumbs down, right? For a hammer fist. Thumbs down, thumbs down. It's great. Close your hand and face. I know it's a vertical punch because I can go thumbs up. Who can do thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up? Close your hand. Something as simple as that because it's kid language. No, it's called odogoshi mushroom. It's like, what the? You know, I understand that. I understand you guys. But it's much simpler because kids learn by seeing, not by us talking. If I simply say, put your legs like me. Put this hand here. Do it like this. That is much faster and more efficient. It's more efficient if this is a vertical punch or Wing Chun punch that I simply say, can you put your thumbs up? When you tell a kid this is a vertical punch, not a reverse punch, give me a vertical punch, they're lost all day long. I want to teach efficiently. So that little thing, I didn't make that up. My team did. Okay, who could do thumbs up, everybody? Who could do thumbs up? And this came from a younger team member. Makes sense to me all day. Okay, hammer fist to the groin. No, it doesn't. Thumbs down. Who could show me thumbs down? So that alone. So you want to add a language. You want to add a language. And then also when it comes to teaching kata, we break it into smaller chunks. We do one stripe every two weeks. First week, learning week. Second week, earning week. So I come into the class. I've missed week one and week two. We're now in week three and four, the middle of the kata. Oh, I don't know the rest of the kata, sir. I don't know the kata. I don't know the kata. Uh, no. This is the stripe we're on. So we've learned I can teach you the middle of the kata before you learn the first part of the kata. I could teach you the end of the kata. As long as when the day's done, I can put it all together efficiently. And remember, we're administering curriculum to over, well, we have 940 active students. Some are kickboxers. Everybody else does martial arts. So right now, about 750. So we can administer this type of curriculum to 750 students across two locations. You can do it with 200 all day, every day. So add words. And then by breaking things down, we use a number system too, such as one, two, three. 
That's somebody grabbing me. One, two, three, another attack. One, two, three, another attack. One, two, three, four, five. So those are three different attacks. A grab, a right hook, and a straight right punch. I come to class, guess what? All we're working on today is this one. One, move and block the punch. Two, kick him into the groin. Three, load the chop. Four, chop the back of the neck. Five, step away. Right, something as simple as that, by giving it a number, everything changes. Right? The other thing is if I'm teaching a technique this way, nobody can see the mirror. Everything's taught this way, and then we put it together later. You see where I'm going? That's when we talk about knowledge, which is probably the most fundamental foundation of anything. What is the age group you're working with? Right? What are the challenges we face today? Okay, social media, too much electronic device time. I understand all that. The point is, we can argue that to the cows come home. My commitment is to helping my students live their best life, so willing to do whatever it takes so that they become better martial artists. Make no mistake. All right, Ricardo, what's happening? Who else is here? Conrad, what's up, Conrad? Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is to set people up for success, right? We want to set people up for success. And you're right, Ricardo, if I'm going all day long, bend your knees, bend your knees, bend your knees, bend your knees. No, but I will go to the kid who is bending knees and going, that is awesome. You are living your best life, little Johnny, because your knees are bent, your legs are getting stronger, and guess what, sir? You're going to be able to run faster, jump higher, and kick that soccer ball, right? So if you apply it to life and what it means, it has so much more. What kid gives a crap about a horse stance? other than using it in the school and in class. When is the horse stance valuable in their everyday life? Well, guess what? When you hit a baseball, you gotta bend your, there, okay, great, I, I, I can grab that. How many of you guys play basketball? Great, when you're guarding the guy, oh, that's kinda like a horse stance, right? See, if I can take it and apply it to everyday life, it means more to them. But if I'm just spewing some rhetoric of shirigoshi or some other term and they're looking at me like, what? What? And I understand history and lineage. Don't get me wrong. I'm a third generation martial arts, you know, martial artist. I've done this 50 plus years. My dad's school. I could go through all of that. I can trace our stuff all the way back to China. But in an everyday application, what is important? They learn. Cool? So they learn. So let's take something and say, I'm going to apply the knowledge, speed, power, and accuracy. You can use this formula for anything. But we're going to take a simple cross punch, right? So part of this is what Roland Osborne shared with me over 11 years ago and what I've taken and made my own. So we're going to learn a cross punch. All right, class, we're going to learn this really, really cool, cool move. It's called a cross punch. And it looks like this. Cross one, cross two, and that's a cross punch. Who wants to learn that? It's just like a Power Ranger Ninja Turtle. Boom, right? So first you make it exciting and fun. I might even take a board and have somebody hold it. Boom, I'm going to break that board. Wow, who wants to punch like that and be able to break a board? Get them excited because we are up against, you know, Fortnite and TikTok and all the rest. Make it exciting. So in staff training, that's one of our prerequisites. You have to be able to demo technique. So we incorporate a junior leader. Their first job is I should be able to call upon you to demo this technique before I teach it to the class. Great. So now let's look at a cross punch. Okay, this is a collective. What are the challenges of teaching a cross punch? Put it in the comments as fast as you can. What are the challenges of teaching a cross punch? Put it in, put it in. Hey, promote, promod. Jonathan, what's happening, sir? So what's the biggest challenges of teaching a cross punch? Well, while you're writing in the comments, I'm going to go over it. Number one, 
They don't rotate their torso, and they just punch, and they just punch. So what I recognize in teaching a technique is I have to begin with the base. I have to begin with the base, okay? So I'm going to tell them, everybody touch your right leg, touch your right leg, touch your right leg. What leg is this? Right. What leg is this? Right. Grab onto it and put it back. Good. Try it again. Oh, Johnny, touch your right leg. What leg is this? Everybody right. Take it and move it away from the device. Move it away from the device. Excellent. Excellent. Now I want your hands up here like the crossing guard at school. And what does this say? Stop. Leave me alone or I will tell the teacher. That's for the parents. So they know we're not teaching violence. See? You're multitasking in this. So I'm here now. Great. So what's the first biggest challenge with the cross punch? The feet don't move. Now, understanding knowledge, what what do we need first? If I build this building, what's the first thing that goes in? Foundation. So I want these kids to have a great foundation. So we say, put your hands behind your back. Okay? Everybody, we're going to move towards the device. And we're going to go left foot right. Good. Now we're going to move away from the device. Right foot left. Everybody say with me. Left foot. Right foot. Right foot. Left foot. Left foot right. Right foot left. Again, left foot right. And we call this Kenpo squat. What do we call this? Kenpo squat. Right foot left. This stance will be your sparring stance. What stance is this? Sparring stance. So see how we've, we've walked through that? We started with left foot right and right foot left, but now we're going to call it Kenpo squat, sparring stance. Kenpo squat, sparring stance. And to go a step further, we keep dots on the floor right? So there's a dot like this on the floor, which you can get at Kids Love Life Skills. I'm going to put that dot right there. So we'll tell children because we need them to move forward. You don't punch with your arm, you punch with the whole body. So now we're going Kenpo squat. Oh, now is your other foot on the green dot? Good. Sparring stance. Oh, now your other foot, which is your left foot, is on the green dot. Go Kenpo squat, sparring stance. So do you see that? I'll show you from a side view, right? Kenpo squat. Oh, now the right foot's on the dot. And right foot left. So I'm going to move towards the mirror. Left foot right. What stance is this? Kenpo squat. Right foot left. And what stance is this? Because you don't need to correct one kid. All this type of stuff is generally what people aren't getting. So when we're staff training, we ask ourselves, the majority of the people aren't getting this technique. What is it they're not doing? Well, they're all punching like this and their feet never move. Great. So let's eliminate this. And let's start with the base. So again, Kenpo squat, sparring stance. Kenpo squat, sparring stance. And then once we have this foundation, guess what we do next? We sit them down. We do. I don't want them dancing and the legs involved, so we have them sit down. They sit and they nail. Okay, so everybody, raise your left hand, raise your left hand. What hand is this? Left. What hand is this? Left. What hand is this? Left. Put it like you're high-fiving. And that works all day. It's not an open shooto. It's like you're high-fiving. Take this other hand. This is your right hand, and you put it here. Right? Just like this. Everybody stand. We'll turn them sideways. Great. This is your hands for your sparring stance. What stance is this? Sparring stance. What stance is this? Sparring stance. What stance is this? Sparring stance. Awesome. Now take that hand, put it behind your back. Put your right hand up like this. Roll your fingers down and put your thumb like this. Oh, let's try that again for little Johnny. Open high five, high five, high five. Close your hand. Thumbs are out and put it over. Cool, everybody? Now hold your hand out like this. This is what a cross punch looks like. What is this? Cross punch. What is this? Cross punch. What is this? Cross punch. And I can go thumbs out sideways. Huh. Oh, Susie, man, put your thumb up. Oh, you see how your thumb goes up? That's not a cross punch. Your thumb needs to be sideways. Okay, and then close it. And it's that simple. And then once we drill the hand technique, then we'll put it together. So if I have right foot back sparring stance, and we go, can post squat, sparring stance, can post squat, 
sparring stance, Kenpo squat, sparring stance. Okay, so now we're learning the technique. But see how we broke that down? We started with the base. Then from a kneeling position, we taught them the hand, right? The hand position, and we tell them, okay, who's got their right cross punch? Are you high-fiving with the other hand in front of your face? Good, because what's the most common thing? This. They'll throw a cross punch in a sparring or self-defense situation, and their face is exposed. So now that we've done that, I, that's it. All that, but we do it so efficiently. We understand how to break down the anatomy of a technique. We break down base first, then we add the upper half, or vice versa. Right? Just like when we teach kicking. I would never teach a kid to front kick from a standing position. We would always sit the kid down like this. And so a front kick, we'd say, okay, point your toes. Now bring your, your toes up. up. Not the whole foot, everybody. Again, point your toes at the mirror over there. Now just bring your toes up. This is the position for a front kick. What kick is this? Front kick. What kick is this? Front kick. Awesome. And then we'll teach them one, two, three, four. But we would never teach a kick from a standing position. No way, no way. And I would reinforce that because it's muscle memory. My muscles remember this all day long. But my muscles do not remember this for a front kick. And we'll have kids, we'll play a game where they walk around like this on the balls of their feet. So the muscles begin to remember this is what a front kick position is. You think kick with the ball of your foot means anything to a child? It means nothing. There's adults that that doesn't make sense to. But if you have everybody do this, the muscles will start remembering what to do. You sit them on their bottom, you take balance out of the mix, you have someone jumping up and down like this while you're teaching a front kick. Will they eventually end there? Yes, they will. But see, the big art of teaching is how do I get there? How do I get them there? Make sense? All right, let me check. I, I mean, I love curriculum design. Let's see. Hand rotating, turning hips rotating, twisting hips. Good, good. All of that, right? All of that. So a good remedy for that, Jason, when I'm teaching that stance, because we're all wearing belts, right? We'll say, okay, Kenpo squat, is your belt facing the mirror? The knot on your belt, is it facing the mirror? Good. And sparring stance. Oh, is the belt, the knot on my belt facing the mirror? No, it's facing the corner, huh? So go, Kenpo squat, oh, who can see their belt knot in the mirror? Awesome. And sparring stance. Kenpo squat, good. And see, by doing that, if you see, if I point my belt at the mirror, I do get that rotation in the hip, Conrad. And the other thing that's lacking is what? The rotation of the hips can't happen unless they pick that back heel up, right? So we'll say, that. okay, you know how I know your back heel's up? You can do this. Who can do this on the ground? That's like you're doing a kick on the ground, huh? That's your foot position for a Kenpo squat, barring from something they already know, which is a front kick, right? Right? Barring the same thing from front kick. And we'll have them do this. Right, so sparring stance, Kenpo squat, because I understand they don't rotate those hips, right? They never rotate the hips. So all I care is they do rotate the hips when the day's done, right? Good, twisting the hips, good, good, good. So that answers that question. Yep, 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 yep. Keep those comments coming in. So now, so now we've been able to start with, and the dots are so powerful. These dots for us are super powerful. So if I say, you know, horse dance, and they do this, up, oh, you can see your green dot, everybody. Let's try that again. Add attention, move your right foot. Touch your right leg, touch right leg. Hold on to it and move it out. Good. Is the green dot still covered? Excellent. That's how we do a horse dance. So using dots, you know, people say you have such a beautiful school, then they look at my floor and it's covered with all these dots. And they're going, man, that sucks. No, it doesn't. I'm about teaching efficiently. So the dots that we utilize are powerful. Powerful, powerful. And that was a Roland Osborne idea 11 years ago. Brilliant technique. 
brilliant technique from Roland Osborne, who I think is one of the masters at curriculum when it comes to rotating curriculum. Huge influence on me when it comes to that. So, knowledge. Age-specific, skill-level specific, focused on what? Learning and comprehension, learning and comprehension. Next one is speed, okay? How do I get this kid? How do I get this kid to throw this technique fast? Throw it fast. Well, if they do it properly and it's efficient, they do it fast. Okay, great, fine. They're six years old. How do I get them to do it fast? That's an easy one. That's an easy one. I'll take a pad like this. I'll hold a noodle like this. And I'll say, okay, you got to punch this pad before I hit your hand. Punch the pad before I hit your hand. And so it makes them rechamber. Please don't use the word rechamber. What does that mean to a six-year-old who's TikToking and Fortniteing? It means zero. But if I tell them, you have to punch this pad, don't let me get you with the noodle, boom, they automatically go, pop. They're punching faster right away. And if they're not rotating that hip, Conrad, right, I tell them to put their foot, you know, we have these movable dots like this too, these big giant red ones, right? Oh, it's hard for you to say, oh, you're good, you can. So imagine you drop that down there. I have a Wave Master bag there. I put their foot on this bag. That Wave Master's way over there. They can't punch that Wave Master without moving their feet, right? They have to move their feet up. That's the cool thing about that. So same thing here. I got you here. You're, you're not stepping forward with that and rotating the hips. I'm just going to back this pad up a bit. It's not a conversation. That's internally here. I'm going, this kid's not rotating there. Rotate your hips. Rotate your hips. Rotate your hips. No, I'm just going to back the pad up a little further. That's it. That's all I'm going to do because it's about efficiency. And then I'm going to say, okay, your job is to hit this pad before I can get you with a noodle. Oh, uh, get you with a noodle. Oh, uh, get you with a noodle. Boom. Right? And then we could do team drills. I could have one kid on this side here, you know, one kid on this side here. Because if you have a class, say we have four lines, one, two, three, four, and we're all, you know, doing the technique. Line one and two, face line three and four. Team one, team two. Okay, who can punch the fastest? Who can punch the loudest? Who could punch the hardest? Who could punch with a Kempo squat? So we can cover knowledge, speed, power, and accuracy in that realm too. Line drills. Everything we do is very efficient. So the way our dots are configured <coughs> is they're designed, I can do it this way, facing the mirror, which I learned is shadow boxing. This is where I learned the technique. Two, we all turn this way, we hit the bag run to the end, hit the bag run to the end of the line. Three, we face each other and we do team drills. So nobody's moving around. Things are done very efficiently. I'm a huge advocate of zero downtime in the class. So if there's more than 30 seconds where anyone's standing there and not moving, that's staff training. We have a discussion about that. Last week, we worked on this stripe, this tip. You know, I noticed it took you a minute and a half before the class was moving. Here's how we can eliminate that downtime. So it's about teaching efficiently, knowledge, speed, power. Where do we develop the most power? This is an obvious question. <coughs> Go. How do we develop the most power? Boxing everybody, right? How do we develop the most power without beating the crap out of each other and hurting one another? Where does that power come? You know, if we're always preaching and sparring that, you know, you're sparring, you're not fighting, right? A football team, Chris Repolt said this so well. He said, could you imagine if a football team, every practice was a full-on game? Nobody would make it till Sunday. That's why if you're a lineman and you hit that quarterback, you're in big freaking trouble, right? They understand the, 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 the severity of getting hit full on. And what did I do growing up? Oh, white belt, kick the crap out of him. If he comes back the next day, he can train with us. I don't think that's, that's you know, thinking that's healthy. It's simply not. So if you look at it that way, the majority of your sparring classes should be drill, 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 spar, right, at about 30%. How many football teams go through scrimmages and stuff with no pads, right? or light pads, because they want to make sure they make it to the game on Sunday. It is the same thing 
here. So how do we develop power? Somebody, somebody give me a clue. How do we develop power? Go, go, go. How do we, how do we get power? Come on. And I could do this all day, folks. You know, I'm, I'm working on four curriculums right now with my people in wisdom. One is Kung Fu. One is Japanese. One is, is, is Kenpo. I love curriculum design because we're basically a bunch of levers, right? It's just anatomy. It's anatomy. And the arm doesn't bend this way. The arm bends this way. So how do you use that? We're a bunch of levers and pulleys. And when you recognize that and you want to develop the efficiency behind the technique, then you break it down where it's age and skill level specific. So how do we develop power? Bag work. Thank you. All day, Charles. That's it. That's it. And if I'm working a class alone, a sparring class, that would be a prime example, Charles. You know, let's say kids are lined up like this in the class. And I'll just use these dots for right now. But like I shared, we have the little rebel. Let's say I have a line here and I have a line here, right? Okay. Everybody's facing this way and we're all doing this, you know, we're drilling in the mirror. We're getting the form of the technique. We're learning to point our belt, not at the mirror, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Then what do we say? Everybody Turn to your left. The wave masters are right there in line with these dots. This kid steps up, hits that bag, boom, for power. Hits the bag for power, hits the bag for power with the ki. He goes to the end of the line, right, in his sparring stance here. And with the dots here, they'll never hit the guy in front of them. So if they're always on the dot practicing their technique while they're waiting their turn, then by the time they get up to the bag, they're ready to hit. So you're right, bag work is the, that's why, what did they call it? The heavy bag. My dad had a big army duffel bag. He stuffed with sand and old clothes. That's before there were even bags. And I hated that thing because it was like a rock. Thing was like a freaking rock. You know, my dad had one where he took the canvas water bag. They used to sit on the front of cars about that. He'd fill it with sand. And it sat between the two seats in the front seat. And he's doing this. Boom, 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 boom. My dad's knuckles, it's one big freaking knuckle. It's not even a knuckle anymore, right? It's just one big mass, you know, scar tissue. So bags. So if I'm, if it's about power, but see, in a given class, we should be so efficient, Charles, that we are covering knowledge, speed, power, and accuracy. All four of them. I don't want to spend a whole class on just power. I don't want to have a, a whole class on just, okay, let's get this, let's get the knowledge. No, you should be able to blend all four because ultimately, what makes a great martial arts technique? Knowledge, speed, power, accuracy. All four have to be integrated fully to have an efficient technique. So that's when I talk about the anatomy of a technique, we're always exploring all four. And when we can put it all together, we're all four working together efficiently, the technique comes to fruition better, quicker, and faster than ever, ever, ever. We used to have whole classes when I took Kung Fu where all we did was sit in a horse dance for an hour. That sucks because fatigue sets into the muscle and it gets to a point where, you know, I know the overload principle, right? I'm certified by the American College of Sports Medicine, by the American Col Council on Exercise. I understand that. There's the overload principle. If I'm lifting a weight, I'm lifting a weight, it's that last one when the muscles fatigue, I got nothing left, nothing left, and I get one more out of it. I understand that. But there is a point in training that when the body starts getting that fatigue, injuries happen, and there is no way they can keep their form correct anymore. No way. No way. 
Every study has proven that. So you have to ask yourself, great, you know, I'm doing knowledge. Oh, I'm a little fatigued. Let's move to speed. Oh, great. Let's move to power. Great. And it's that type of mindfulness in a given class that creates a dynamic, fast class where kids are learning better, comprehending better. And we're doing what? Producing better martial artists. Because make no mistake, I'm not going to compromise helping them become the best martial artist possible. Make no mistake. Okay. Then the last one is accuracy. Great. We're still working with this punch. What's the most challenging part with this cross punch? Well, the average kid's going to do this. The average, right? They're not going to hit straight because that those are kids. That's easy. All I got to do is hold the ring. Don't touch the ring of fire. Punch the pad, right? Don't touch the ring of the fire. Punch the pad, right? And there's no way. Now, if this kid's going a little high, guess what I do with the ring? I do this. Right? If you hold the ring like this, he can still arch it through and punch like this. So all you got to do is take the front of this ring and drop it down in line with the pad. He won't touch that ring, will he? Does everybody see that? That's all I got to do. There's no discussion. It's not punch straight, punch straight. Don't punch the blue ring. Don't touch the blue ring. Now, if I'm like this, of course, he can arch that punch. So that's all that is. See? That's simple. No discussion. Just don't touch the blue ring. Now, guess what? They're punching straighter. Anybody see that? Put it in the comments if you get that magic. Anybody get that? And same thing on the heavy bag, because when they start hitting hard, what happens, Conrad? They lose form and technique. So guess what? I got a heavy bag. We, we hold the ring in front of it. It's not, it's not that big of a deal, right? You know, if you're working pads and, and, you know, a lot of people like to do pads like that, I'll do that one too. Okay, just don't touch the top pad and punch the bottom one. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to skin a cat, but I think it's really about understanding the efficiency of that, okay? God, man, we're almost out of time. But, so, knowledge, speed, power, accuracy, right? The biggest challenge with tech teaching a technique is us. We are the biggest challenge, right? We are the biggest challenge. All right, last but not least, sparring, right? We, we use green dots for curriculum days, which are on the mats out there. And then we have red dots. Okay, these red dots, I hope you can see them. So, when you're working with a student, let me see if I can get this in here. We have dots like this, all right? So they know on sparring day, we line up on the red dots. They're spaced strategically, so nobody's whacking each other. All right, but what we do is when we start sparring, first thing we do is non-contact drills. So, my left foot is here, my right foot is back, right? I'm on my dot this way. Okay, you see that? All right, good. So now we can do this drill and look at each other and throw this cross punch and look at the target, which in this case would be his chest, and not hit each other. Then when we move into contact drills, we put our right foot on the dot, left foot forward. Now we're toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Right? That simple, folks. That simple. No more, no less. No more, no less. Everybody got that? Everybody with me on that? So that way the students know, right, my right foot's back, he can't touch me. I'm not worried about this. So we can see each other and see success. See success in that. So the dots, which, you know, don't look really nice on the floor, are about efficiency. I want to teach better. Cool? All right, I want to leave time for a couple of questions. You got a question? Go ahead and throw it in there. And, and this is one of the things we covered. It's Time Live Believe. I, I live from the Apple mindset. Premium product, premium price. Premium product, premium price. My dad you know, who's been teaching since the 60s, was not concerned about money. They were clubs. He had a day job, right? I want the premium product to get a premium price. 
Apple mentality. So that means the constant investment into curriculum development. Now, I'm not telling you to give up your system. I love Kenpo. I am committed to Kenpo, so I will find a better way to teach it, right? I know we have one of the bigger Kenpo schools around at 750 active students between two locations. The rest are kickboxers and the rest. But at 940 active students across two locations, I know for a fact we are one of the biggest Kenpo schools around. That's a fact. And we're dedicated to teaching efficiently, teaching it at a higher level because we don't want Kenpo to die. That's our commitment. So we realize it's not what we teach, it's how and why <clears throat> and our commitment to the how and why is what allows us that cool 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 all right any questions put them in don martinez what's happening sir and as you can see i love because i'm first and foremost a martial artist second i'm a business person right second so my love of martial arts has been a relationship since I was five years old and I'm 60 now so I love martial arts and it's really about I want you to punch better how do I how do I make that happen I want you to punch faster how do I make that happen and how do I keep the class dynamic efficient and moving along where parents sit in there going yep this is a value this is a value so the life skills component, if I'm teaching a cross punch, and let's say we're working on focus, which means to pay attention, look with your eyes, listen with your ears, think with your mind, do the right thing with your body, right? We'll say, okay, everybody, black belt training, practice your cross punch. They're facing the mirror, they're doing that cross punch. Wow, I'm gonna compliment little Johnny, looking where he's punching. That is awesome eye focus, Johnny. Make sure you look at mom when she's talking to you. Mom's sitting there going, yep, that's what I pay for. That's what I pay for. You know, I'm calling out the technique. Cross, cross one. Cross, cross two. Wow, you did that move right away, Susie. That's awesome ear focus. It shows me you're listening. Make sure you listen to your parents when they talk to you. Kick, punch, kick, punch. And you plug these one-liners through a class. But it, I think it's a huge miss when you do a life skills talk at the end of the class before everybody leaves. And there's nothing in that whole 45-minute class where that life skill is being reinforced for us. In Kids Love Life Skills, we do a one-minute life talk in the beginning. But we make sure through the whole class, we are constantly reinforcing that life skill by integrating it into whatever curriculum we're teaching. And they're one-liners. They don't slow down the class. They don't bite on the class. They're strategically placed where the parents sitting there can hear it actively and going, yep, this is what I pay for. This is what I pay for. So that old myth that, oh, those of you guys who teach life skills are crappy martial artists or vice versa, it's, it's hullabaloo. The art is to be able to teach great martial arts and help them be great people, right? They should go hand in hand. And that's when I really learned that myself because, you know, we didn't have Mr. Miyagi, don't fight. We had Bruce Lee. My first real role model in the martial arts movie star was Bruce Lee. Yeah, I watched, you know, the Chinese movies with God rest his soul. Jimmy Wang Yu just passed away, the one-armed swordsman. But my first icon who I love to this day was Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee kicked your ass. Bruce Lee didn't, he wasn't nice about it. He was arrogant, he was cocky, and he kicked your ass. That's what Bruce Lee did. Then all of a sudden, I'm looking at this freaking Kwai Chan Kane guy. Oh, I don't wanna fight. You know, walking through the desert. What the hell is this stuff? But what he taught me was that, you know, the mental aspect, every time they did the flashback, Master Poe with the, you know, film over his eyes, there was always that component. That's that, that component. So I wanna make sure I'm, producing good martial artists, but they're also getting that aspect too, which is the life skills. So again, talk to Marco about kids love life skills. Cool? And maybe we'll have to continue this next week. Who, who wants to do more of this next week? I can absolutely do that for you. 
Because I love curriculum development. I love it. Because it is. It's the core product. It's the food in our restaurant. And I don't care how great the restaurant looks, how great the wait staff is. If your food sucks, your food sucks. Right? It simply does. Right? All right. So let me thank some folks. My studio, Kids of Life Skills, LC Accounting. Boom. Mark and Muscles, I love you guys. I love you a lot. Thank you for allowing me to do what I do. Backing me up. We know it's time live. Believe is coming up. Scan this code right now. Only 11 spots left for the four days. And part of what we do at It's Time Live Believe is, is this. We cover this. Because, again, if you don't have great curriculum in, in, your, in what you do, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And don't get hung up on what you teach. Get hung up on the why and how. And as I said at the top of this broadcast, again, I think the biggest challenge with teaching a technique is me and my narrow-mindedness and my fixed mindset to want to evolve and change. Why break it? You know, it's not broken. Why fix it? I don't care about if it's broken or fixed. I want to do it better. See, in that old dogma, that's such old thinking. Well, if it's not broke, why fix it? Well, this, it's called maintenance. Any smart person in a business is not going to wait until his business breaks. He's constantly maintaining it. Starbucks paints every three to five years and upgrades their facilities. You know, constant. Kaizen, that theory that Toyota lives by. Constant improvement. Constant improvement. Preventive medicine. I've worked out and ate this way for 60 years so I could look this way at 60 and be in this place physically when I'm 60. But had I not thought about that when I was 30 and 40 and 50, I would not be sitting in the position I'm in physically right now, mentally, emotionally, financially, if I did not think about those things. So the Eastern philosophy of preventive medicine, the Kaizen theory of constant improvement, should be our commitment. Always, always, always. And that's why you, the school owner, should be here for the four-day experience. Get signed up. Ah, the disruptors. I love you guys. Yeah, and and I, I know I beat that all the time. It's not about changing the industry. It's about creating something new. The 90% of you out there that are not making, you know, the majority of the wealth. I sit in the 10%. I think we should all be able to buy a home. We should all be able to put our kids through college. We should all have a healthy retirement. We should all be able to go on vacations when we want. And we should all be able to teach when we want to teach versus having to teach. I'm committed to that. And that's what the disruptor's about. Tell a friend and tell 10 more. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Any last minute questions? Put them in there. Hey, Greg. What's up, Greg? No, you're welcome, Farzad. You're welcome, sir. Asad, Shani, I see Chris, Chris Maloim from Australia. How, oh, my friend, how are you, sir? How are you? So everybody want to do this? This year is the home by year. Good for you, staff. Good for you. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so I'm going to wrap this big dog up. Put it in the comments, you know, blast it all over the disruptors if you'd like to continue more of this. But what I would like to do next week is I want you to come. We'll give you the Zoom link. We'll give a couple people the opportunity to come on camera with me and show me a technique that you love, that you're not going to abandon, that is just, can I say this? That's just a bitch to teach, okay? So I want that. Let's keep this going. Premium product, premium price. Cool, cool, cool. All righty, folks. Hey, hey, hey. Who am I? Who am I all day long? I am Brandon Beliso. This is what? Success never sleeps. And until we meet together, until we get together again, what are you going to go out there and do? Live your best life. Life.